This is Noah. He's 500 years old. Not bad. He doesn't look a day over 350. One day, God told him it was going to rain. No, uh, not rain. It was, it was going to flood. No, I'm, I mean, really flood. God told Noah he needed to build something that could rescue his entire family and two of every kind of animal on the earth. Let me see a football field. Okay, the ark was one and a half times as long as that football field. You built that? Not bad. It took Noah and his three sons 100 years to build this boat. It's 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. That's almost a million and a half cubic feet. That's the capacity of 522 railroad cars. In the 20s, the Ringling Brothers Circus traveled with their entire operation, which included 335 horses, 26 elephants, and 16 camels, and they traveled in only 92 railroad cars. What I'm trying to say is, that's a big boat. Can you imagine starting with this and trying to get to that? Is it possible that following God means that we pursue crazy big dreams that seem humanly impossible? That maybe you and I are called to do things that everybody else would think is crazy, things that when we begin, we can't imagine where they ultimately end. We don't have to complete the journey today, but we have to begin to take the first steps to drive the first nail. We pick up the first board, step out on faith, and we begin to trust God for the rest. My ability to be happy, to be content, my ability to manage and maintain the relationships in my life, my ability to deal with disappointment and unexpected things in my life is directly related to how much I trust God with the second step. Because God just says, have faith in me. And and. Taking that first step of faith and then trusting God for the rest may not be the most comfortable thing, but it's the best thing. A lot of people just want to live their lives in comfort, right? I mean, who doesn't want to be comfortable? I mean, just, oh, comfy. Wish I had a lazy boy up here. Wouldn't that be much more comfortable for me to talk to you in a lazy boy? A lot of people want to be comfortable physically, emotionally, spiritually, but if you just live your life trying to be comfortable in all of those areas, you will never grow. Well, physically, you might. Because, you know, I like pizza, I like hamburgers, cheeseburgers, french fries. Oh, bring it on. Ice cream. Oh, man. That stuff, make, isn't that comfortable to eat that stuff, at least while you're eating it? But if, if you keep just doing what makes you comfortable, what's going to happen physically? You're going to be in a mess. Relationally, if you just always do what makes you comfortable, where are you going to be relationally? If you never stretch yourself, you never step outside of that which is comfortable. If you just try to stay comfortable spiritually, you will never grow. Wherever you are right now, today, you'll never get past it if you just try to stay comfortable. Today is called Extend. Back in June, on June 13th, we had Extend Part 1. Today is Extend Part 2. If you missed that part, don't worry about it. Today uh, is a standalone. Go by the info booth and pick up that CD if you want to hear some of the background of what I'm going to talk about today. 
But the definition of extend, the definition of getting out of our comfort zone is this. To spread, to stretch, to reach another capacity, to reproduce. If I'm ever going to go anywhere physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, then I'm going to have to extend. If our church is ever going to go anywhere past what it is today, we have to extend. If we're ever going to be anything else other than a group of this many people who meet in these walls every Sunday morning, if we're ever going to be anything past that, we have to extend. If you're here for the first time today, you've come to LifePoint on a perfect day. You're going to hear about some steps that we're going to take, a big first step we're going to take and trusting God for the rest. You're going to hear about some ways that even you can participate in what we're getting ready to do. Everything we do at LifePoint, we go into the scriptures, into the Bible, and we look and see, well, what does God have to say about this? How did Jesus handle this kind of situation? Then we look at the first century church all through the book of Acts in the New Testament and think about, well, how did how did this church who existed very close to when Christ was on earth, how did they handle these things? There's some people coming down the aisles right now with Bibles. If you don't have one or if you forgot yours today, if you'd like an extra, just raise your hand and they'll give you one. It's, it's yours to keep. We believe that book tells a story that can lead you into a relationship with God. Extend. That's what Jesus Christ asked every follower to do. To extend, to stretch, to grow, to step outside of their comfort zone. And you don't have to read Jesus' teachings very long to realize that when people said yes to following Christ, they said they waved goodbye to a life of comfort, of just having what they wanted, of just getting, just, just, just trying to fulfill their own needs. Saying yes to following Christ means that you're going to grow. Not that you're just going to live comfortably. You're going to do things you could have never done otherwise. You're going to see things you would have never seen otherwise. You're going to have influence that you would have never had otherwise when you say yes to following Christ. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus had this to say to his followers. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. Now, when these people heard this, I like to picture, I like to, anybody like Braveheart? I, oh, man, I love that movie. I like, to, I like to picture Jesus like that, like William Wallace, when he's giving that talk and those crowds of people are cheering and he, he's motivating them. I don't think Jesus just stood and said, um, when you guys are out, could you, like, tell people about me and... <laughs> You know, let, just let them know and tell them what I told you. And kind of, I don't think he said it that way. I said, I think he said it with all the excitement and all the urgency in his voice. And he probably said it in such a way that made them raise their arms and say, "Yeah, we're going. We don't know how. We don't know where. And we don't know what the next step's going to be. But we're going because you said to go." And right after you say something like that, the next emotion has to be, "Oh my goodness, what did I just commit myself to?" Oh man. Jesus knew they were thinking that, so the next words out of his mouth were this. Be sure of this. I am with you always. 
So when you take that first step and you start to follow what I said to follow and you start to do what I said to do and the next emotion that comes in is, oh man, what did I do here? What commitment have I made? Jesus said, don't be afraid. I am with you always. You can be sure of it. What Jesus says to them that echoes down through the centuries to us is go. Don't don't sit and wait. Don't just sit and wait. Go. You know, there's basically two types of churches. I I would say in a room this size, maybe half the people have been to church before, or maybe more, I don't know, but there's two types of churches. There there are, when the enemy, when the, the evil one, the enemy looks at us, he sees two types of churches. The first church is a safe church. Here's here's what a safe church does. A safe church seeks to make everybody comfortable. A safe church gets behind closed doors, makes a decision based on, well, what would the majority of people like to hear? What would the majority of people like to do? A safe church allows people who write the biggest check to have the biggest voice. A safe church doesn't call people out of their comfort zone and say, you've got to go, you've got to grow. There's more than just this. Safe church just allows people to sit where they are and be who they are year after year without ever taking any chances. Contrast that with a dangerous church. I mean, dangerous in a good way. A a dangerous church says, you know what? Jesus said to go, and we're going to go. And and we're going to stretch people. Doesn't matter what the consequences are. We're going to stretch people. We're going to challenge people. We're going to we're going to try to motivate people to get out of their seats and do what Jesus said to do and go. We're going to help convince people that church is way more than just dedicating an hour or two on Sunday morning. It's a way of life. A dangerous church looks out over the horizon and says, "Why not?" Why, why can't we do this? Why can't we go there? Why can't we climb that mountain? Why can't we? Why can't we do what God calls us to? Why can't we just take the first step and let God do the rest? And as I talk today, I'll let you decide which church you think we are. A safe church does what's possible. A dangerous church realizes that possible things don't need God. Only that which is impossible needs God. See, we are Christ's plan to get his message of hope out to the lost to a lost world. In the book Lifestyle Evangelism, the author talks about this fictitious conversation that takes place place between Jesus Christ and the Archangel Gabriel. Gabriel's like the, you know, the the angel of all angels. He's like Mac Daddy Angel, okay? He's the big guy. So he and Jesus are having this conversation and 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 Gabriel asks Jesus. Well, you, you know, you went down for them, you died for their sins, you, you, you healed them, you did all of what you said you would do, and, and now you're back up here in heaven. What's your plan, Jesus, to get all that out to the world so more people will know that they can have faith and trust in you and change their lives? What's your plan? Jesus said, those, those people right there. That small, and Gabriel says, you mean that small group of people? Just those few people? And Jesus said, yeah, that, they're my plan to take my message to the world. And Gabriel says, well, what if they get tired? What if they forget? What if they let the day-to-day life cause them just not to think about it anymore? And Jesus said, they have to come through because they are my only plan. We are his plan to take a message of hope to the world. A few years back, about four years ago, I began to 
feel very disillusioned by ministry. This whole thing called church began to be more of a nuisance to me than anybody ever feel like that. Hope you don't hear, but in the past, it was like, man, it's, this is a this is not what is this helping? This is not helping anybody. This, people be better off if they weren't here. And I just got so disillusioned with the whole thing. Picked up a book called Visioneering by an author named Andy Stanley, and I read it cover to cover and closed that book and I told my wife, I said, things are getting ready to change because I want to be part of something that's so big that if God weren't in it, it would fail. I'm tired of doing possible things. I want to do impossible things. People who know me well, and I even had a friend in another city, I was talking with him on the phone, he said, Donnie, do you just sit around and think of new things to do? Is that like, you do that all day? And I said, well, that's one of the advantages of being ADD is you've always got something new to do. Something new to conquer, something new to think about. Two years ago, I went away for a few days alone when it became obvious that I needed to hear from God about what He wanted for the future of this church. And I went away and I took my Bible, I took a pen, and I took a notepad, and I was ready to listen. And I didn't expect God to speak to me audibly, but I knew through His Word, through praying, through meditation, I knew through all that God would reveal to me for sure what He wanted for this church. What He wanted our direction, our purpose, what He wanted for all that. And I opened up my Bible and I started to read through the Gospels and I came back to this passage of Scripture that's been one of my favorites since I gave my life to Christ. And it's found in Luke 15. It's three stories that Jesus tells as he's trying to get people to understand why he does ministry the way he does. Why he does his faith the way he Why he's operating the way he is. They don't get it. They don't understand why it's not big and flashy and, and everybody come to me. They don't, they don't get it. So Jesus tells them three stories. He tells them the story of a shepherd who who has a sheep run off, and that one sheep is so important, he leaves 99 and goes and finds the one and brings it back. Then he tells the story of a woman who lost a coin. You think, just one coin, but this coin was so important to her, it had a lot more significance than just money in that culture, that she ripped her house apart looking for this one coin when she had a pile of coins on the table. And then he tells the story of a son who left his home, who left his father, and he tells the story how his father waited for that one son to come home and how when the son did, he stopped everything he was doing and had a party. Jesus tells those three stories in Luke 15 because they stress the importance of one life, of one thing. And as I read back through their stories, it occurred to me I was once that one life. I was once that one person that somebody else invested in that stopped whatever they were doing to invest in me and make a difference in my life. There was a day I was the one. And if you're a Christ follower, there was a day somebody took the message of Jesus seriously enough when he said go, to go into your life and focus on you and help you get into a relationship with Christ. One day you were the one. And Jesus tells that story in a way that 
helps them realize that when one person, one person comes back to God or gets to know Christ, that whatever's going on in heaven, whatever the angels do up there or out there, wherever that is, whatever's going on, they stop. Whatever their daily chores or tasks, whatever they're charged with, that day stops and they call the caterers, they get the banquet table out, they put up the party tent, they get the bands together, and they have a party. Because one person said, I want to accept Christ. I want to come back to Christ. And Jesus, in those three stories, stresses the importance of one life and what it's like when just one person says, I'll take it. I'll do it. I'll follow Christ. And that day I remember thinking, that is where our church needs to go. That's what we need to be about is that one person. One life at a time. A place where nobody gets lost in the crowd. A place where whether you... Whether you're just beginning a relationship with Christ or just investigating the claims of the Bible, whether you've been a follower of Christ for a long time, you're looking for a place to belong, or you've followed Him for decades and you think, I I need to grow. No matter who you are, you are important enough for us to stop everything we're doing and spend time with you. It's about one life at a time. And I came away from that time alone with, a, with crystal clarity of where God wanted us to go. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the last recorded words of Jesus in the New Testament says this, You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. You'll be my witnesses. Jesus is telling this group of people, you're going to be my witnesses. He's saying, you are my plan. You're the plan to let the world know about this hope. You're the plan to let the world know that they can be washed clean just like a G.I. Joe caught in a dirty lake. You're the plan. Because of that, because of our purpose, because of our focus, and, and, and where I believe God is leading, leading this church, this is the plan I'm getting ready to share with you today, how we are going to be witnesses beyond these walls, how we are going to go into a world and share the message of Christ. Here's the, if, if you've been checked out for the last 10 minutes up till now, this is the time to write something down. On February 24th, 2008, it's a special day in the life of this church. We'll be four years old. LifePoint will have been in existence four years. And something else very special is going to happen on that day. We will become one church that meets in two locations. Huh? What? One church, two locations. On that day, we will launch LifePoint Church in Wakefield, up in Wakefield Marquee Cinemas. And I know that makes you think, wow, I got like 200 questions. Could you just sit down and let me pass the microphone around the audience? I'd love to be able to do that, but we can't. And I couldn't possibly share all the details today, but I can share the story that led us up to this moment where I am convinced, where the leaders of this church are convinced this is the direction God wants us to go. No doubt. 
If I, if I doubt it, I wouldn't share it with you. Two years ago, there was one thing I came away from my time alone with God, asking Him to, to just reveal to me where we were supposed to go. I left that time alone with God knowing one thing for sure, is that not growing was not an option. Not calling people out of their comfort zone, that's not an option. Playing to the lowest common denominator, not an option. Saying what I think people want to hear, not an option. Saying what I believe will change people's hearts and lives. That is what I left that time alone with God knowing. Not growing is not an option. So immediately I thought, God, there's a finite number of seats in here. And there were more people in the first service than this service, and there's there's not that many seats. So, so God, obviously we got to move beyond this wall, these walls. If we're ever going to have a huge impact on the community, we got to get past this. We got to get past this movie theater. So I began to think about buildings and land, and I began to get educated on commercial real estate. You know, that's like exciting, and find out about, you know, zoning and watershed and all that kind of stuff that, you know, that I didn't have much more room in my mind and I had to stuff that in there and begin to think about all those things. And it became obvious after just a little while that it was going to cost around $8 million in a three or four year project if everything went smoothly to move beyond these walls. And I remember thinking, there's got to be a better way. I don't get this. There has to be a better way than this, than spending all this money and effort and energy and time just so we can get a place where to, to come in in the morning, we just flip on the lights and we're ready to go. I mean, that, that's, that's worth something, but that's not worth $8 million. There's got to be a better plan. And you might be thinking, well, if, if, if we could just build a building, we could grow more. You know, I don't ever want to be in a place where our church is chasing a payment. And then the one thing is shifted off of, a one, off of one life and becomes one thing, one payment. we got to get that thing done every month. And then I'm sitting in your house across from the table saying, you know, how much? You know, your kids won't be in college for like eight more years. Can you kind of let some of that loose and help us pay for this thing? You might be thinking that's the way to go. You might think, if you build a building, more people will come because, man, I see churches building huge buildings all the time, and so people will come if you do that. Well, that, that might be true. Build something and people from all over drive. But here's some other things that are also true. There's more unchurched people today than in any time in America's history. larger percentage of the population does not go to church than at any other time. Another fact, there are more large churches than ever in the history of our country. Now, how does that work? More large churches, but less people going to church says that we have done an excellent job in Christendom to, to, to transfer the people who are already convinced from one location to another location because they do have a coffee bar and a weight room, you know, and all that stuff. So maybe, maybe we should try that one out. We've done a good job at creating comfortable spaces for people to drive to 
and be a part of just a few hours a week. You've done an excellent job at that. But the fact still remains, there are more people who are unchurched than at any other time in our history. So as I thought, there's got to be a better way than that. There has to be a better way than just racking up the debt and going in your living rooms and asking you how much money you can give. And There must be a better way. And a friend gave me this book called The Multi-Site Church Revolution. If you like reading, there's a lot of words in here. It's more than an eighth grade reading level, but it's a great book. You can get one of these at the, at the info booth today. But I read that book. I devoured it. And I, I began to read that and I thought, this is the way we're supposed to go. I, I gave it to my advisors. I gave it to leaders. I gave it to all the staff. And we read it together. And we recognized this is the way we're supposed to go. With not, not having an idea where, the, where another, the next step would come from. See, at the same time, I realized we've got to move beyond these walls because there's not enough seats to add, you know, 50, 60 more people and we're over full again. And then, you know, so what what are we going to do? And so on June 13th, remember, I said, we're going to move beyond the walls of this theater. We're going to go somewhere else so we can go. Remember me saying that? I said it with all the assuredness that I could, that we were going to go out of this place. And then we checked Three different high schools in North Raleigh who would have more room than this. Two turned us down flat, said no thanks. One said yes and then came back and said no. So here we are wanting to follow God, wanting to do what He calls us to do without a place to move beyond these walls. And then I pick up this book and I'm like, wait a minute. Here's a way we can go beyond the walls but stay in the walls. It's perfect. It's like getting, getting exactly what we need. We can stay here and grow and go somewhere else and grow. That's pretty cool. So I began to just circulate that book. You, if you're anywhere near leadership or, or service here at LifePoint, you've probably seen that book or I've given it to you. If you're, in, if you're one of my friends, I know I gave it to you. Of course, don't think I'm not his friend because I didn't give him a book. But you, you're like, man, I thought we were friends. I didn't get one of those books. All of a sudden, I thought, here's a way to stretch people beyond their comfort zone, stretch me beyond my comfort zone, and grow outside these walls. Because I'd already committed not growing is not an option and calling people outside their comfort zone and not just saying what people might like to hear but what they need to hear. So the staff and I, last spring, we all went to a conference called a multi-site church conference, and we went for a day and a half and sat under the leadership of a, a staff of a church who has eight sites and multiple thousands of people, six to 8,000 people at eight different locations on Saturday nights and Sunday mornings, and we learned from them, and they, they knew how to do it, and we came away thinking, God, is, this is what you're calling us to do. So your first question might be, well, why would you pick Wakefield? You might live in Cary or Briar Creek or out that way, and you're thinking, man, why didn't, why didn't you pick the other direction? If you've ever been up US-1 lately, who's driven up that way and noticed there's, there's a lot of restaurants and shopping? You guys notice that? that live, how many people live up that way? Four? Okay, more, okay. Several people, I mean, they don't build restaurants where people aren't, you know, <laughs> They don't build it where people aren't going. 
So it looks like, wow, th- this is a community that's growing. And if you're in real estate, you know that's a community that's growing. But it was more than just looking on a map and saying, this is where we want to go. It was praying what I talked about about a month ago. It was praying a mountain-moving prayer. One day I got up very early one morning before daylight and thought, I wonder if there's a church that meets in that theater at Wakefield. So I drove up there, pulled behind the theater. The sun was just coming up, and I just started to pray. I was writing my prayers down. God, we feel like this is the direction you want us to go. Please confirm it. Please let us know and give us this. Allow us to follow you in this direction. That eventually became a message called Mountain Moving Prayers. And I got out of the car that day, and I I literally put my hands on the side of that theater. I had no idea if a church met there, if the owners were even open to it or anything. I put my hands on that theater, and I started to pray the same prayer. And I looked over to my left, and because the leaves weren't all in bloom yet, you could see all those houses out there. And I just prayed for those people, prayed for that community. And I just knew God was up to something. And I got in the car like on top of the world, like I had a God moment. That's it. I know it. This is it. I'm positive. You know, so I'm telling the staff, I'm telling everybody, this is it. This is what we're doing. No doubt about it. So I get on the phone and I find out, well, who owns this theater? Where's it based? Turns out it's a chain of theaters, 19 of them, that's based in West Virginia. Salute. I was like, I speak the language. So (laughs) it's where I'm from. I might know the guy. Who knows? So so I call him up and tell him who we are, what we want to do. And I said, we want to put a church in that theater and we meet in the theater now and and the lady cut me off and said, oh, I'm sorry, you're, you're like the 12th church to call in the last couple of months that, that wants to meet in there. And what we've decided to do is we're just going to go one by one and, and put them in order and first come, first serve. So, well, you know, if the other 11 don't work out, give me a call. And I hung up the phone thinking, man, did I just get faked out by God up there at that theater praying? What's the deal? A few days later. Well, that day, I sent an email to the lady I'd just spoken to, explained a little bit more of who we were and put some talk in there that, that had a lot to do with faith and told her we met in a theater now and we were wanting to launch another site in another theater and we knew how not to mess up the theater. We knew how to get in and get out, not tear anything up. I mean, the best sales job I've ever done in my life. I'm going to have to find that email and, and frame it. A few days later, I get a call and she said, Mr. Williams, and, and you know, she talked for a minute, and she said, well, I was talking with the owner, and we decided we're going to move you from 12th to 1st, so we would like to talk to you about being part of this, and I'm like, yes, you know, all those feelings were confirmed, and I'm, you know, yelling at the top of my lungs, telling the staff, come in here, you got to hear this, you're not going to believe this, and, and all of a sudden, we're in the first place, and then thing after thing happens, it makes me think, well, this is not going to work, this is not going to happen because of this, and I would call up the owner and say, yeah, what about this, oh, you can do that. Well, there's not enough power outlets in the front of the theater. and We'd have to, like, have them installed. Hey, you can do that. That's no problem. And I was like, this guy's cool. So call him up and say, can I come up and buy you lunch? And love to talk to you about this. So I go up a couple months ago, and I sit across the table from this guy and have lunch. Turns out he's a Christ follower. His assistant's a Christ follower. And he's intrigued by what we're doing. And at the end of the conversation, after making the most amazing concessions... I wish you could have been there to see. I mean, it was 
It was amazing. A- after giving us all this stuff that he's going to, well, rent to us, and after all these things he told us that we could have and that we could do in his, in his theater, he, he said, you know, it, it feels good to know that, that uh, I'm doing more than just showing movies. I thought, all right, this guy gets it. So I left there thinking, now we're not just meeting in one theater that's owned by Christ follower. Now we're going to be meeting in two theaters that are owned by Christ follower. And, and then I call up the staff who'd been praying, and I got them all on the speakerphone, and I was going down through all these things, all these things that they agreed to do for us, and it's just like unbelievable. Unbelievable to find a chain of 19 theaters owned by one person you can go sit and talk to. And then I remembered that mountain-moving prayer that I prayed standing behind that theater. And God answered. God made it clear the direction that we're supposed to go. So a few weeks back, I'm sitting at a table, somebody's dinner table that lives in that area. We were talking about them being part of this, and we were just sitting around the table talking, and, and, and I was sharing much the same way I am now, this, this same vision and direction, and I said, they stopped at one point in the conversation, and the wife said, well, what do you want from us? And, and all of a sudden, it occurred to me, you know what I don't want? I'm not here to ask you to write a bigger check. Please keep tithing. Don't stop doing that. But I, I'm not here to say, it's going to cost this much money, and this is how much I need from each family. I'm here to ask for you and your service and your commitment and your work. I'm asking you to step outside of your comfort zone, stretch yourself, and grow. You know, when you ask for that, everybody's on a level playing field. Not everybody can write a big check, but everybody can get out of their seat, get out of their comfort zone, use their gifts to make a difference. Maybe your gifts, maybe that is your gift is writing big checks, but if it's not, if it is, you know, come talk to me afterwards. But... If it's not, if it's not, all that has to happen is people continue to be generous and bring God the tithe like the Bible says, and and that's it. That's all that has to happen. And I thought, God, thank you for putting us in a situation where we ask people for themselves before we ever ask for their money. So you might be thinking, why why multiple sites? Why do that? If I haven't convinced you already, Here's just some quick points. I don't think we can build a space, a building, big enough to contain what God's going to do. If we started today to build a building, in three, three or four years it would be finished, and I believe God's going to do so much between now and then, it would already be too small. When, you, when we grow like this, we don't have to be concerned about do we have enough space. Because God can do so much more than anything we can build to contain him. I think it makes sense from a financial perspective. It's a fraction of the cost. You'll hear more about some later about cost uh, figures, specific things, but it, it's a fraction of the cost. And it's also a fact that new churches, new works, new things, in our case a new site, breeds excitement and commitment. I've already shared this vision with three particular groups of people. And, and when I shared that vision with them, they were all excited. After one of those meetings, I got an email from somebody that said, you know, up until now I've been a spectator at LifePoint, but now it's time for me to be a participator. 
So already this is making a difference. And don't think, well, I'm just, I don't live up there. Don't think you're not part of that. You're just as big a part of it as somebody that does. Because you're part of a church that's having exponential impact on the world. George Barna, who's a church research guy, says this, New churches are the most effective way to reach the lost in today's culture. Another good reason we can stay here at Six Forks in this theater and grow, and we can go there and grow. Grow in two places instead of one. How cool is that? I'm excited about this. I mean, we've been blessed with this place, and now we're blessed with another place. It supports the go mentality instead of the sit and wait for people to come to us mentality. You can reach more people with less financial resources. And you might be sitting there going, man, I thought we were going to get a build a building. Jeez, I just had that money sitting in the bank waiting to do something with it. Gosh. If building, doing that would put you out of your comfort zone. I can share with you some other ways to get out of your comfort zone. If you're thinking that this morning, please just come up and talk to me. Because I'm convinced, no doubt, no turning back, no questions. This is the direction that God wants for this church. I hope everybody's with me. I hope all 200 people sitting in here are right behind us saying, this is the way we're supposed to go. This is what we're supposed to do. I know you have questions, no doubt about it. I couldn't possibly answer all of them today. In in the, the last couple of weeks, meeting with different groups of people who have a significant role to play in this at the other site, I've come up with some questions that seem to be reoccurring from folks. And there's no way I can pass around the microphone and let you ask them, but I've asked some people to come up, and we're going to have a meeting here today, and you're going to get to watch that happen and hear some of the questions that people have asked. So questioners, they will be the questioners, and I will be the question E. Who's first? Are you the first one? Because I know this is what you're thinking. I, I know you're sitting there thinking, well, what about this? Well, what about that? Well, that doesn't make sense. Well, how is this going to work? Same questions I had. The advantage I have, I've been thinking and praying about this for two years. You've had 20 minutes. So I understand. I understand that you've got questions. That's why you need to pick up that book if you want to. There's an article out there. That's free. Pick that up. It says what that book says in about four pages. So pick one of those up when you leave today. All right. Question group. Give me question number one. That I think people are thinking. Does this mean that Life Point will never have a permanent home? Does it mean we'll never have a permanent home? Very good question. No, it does not mean that. What it does mean is that we are about getting beyond these walls and growing. When God provides opportunities, we're going to take advantage of it. If God provides an opportunity for us to have a permanent home, you bet we will. It's not going to be for $8 million unless somebody's really, really generous But it doesn't mean that it's off the plate to have a permanent home. What it means is we are going to be a church that grows through starting new sites in other areas of our region. That's what it means. And that means we're seizing an opportunity God has put in front of us today. Number two. Are you concerned that this will spread our volunteers too thin? I'm not because we have some of the best volunteers, the best volunteers that I've ever seen anywhere I've ever been. Today, half of our setup team was gone. For whatever reason, they're out of town. And everything, look, we're, it's still here. 
This still works. All the stuff's still set up. Your kids, actually all that stuff's still set up and half the people were gone. Some new people just showed up. And that service Sunday we had two weeks ago, that was strategically placed. Because I asked for 50 new people because I thought if we have 50 new people, when, when the number goes to, to say, okay, we're going to go to church, we're going to attend the other location in Wakefield, we're going to need you know somebody to prop that up. So 50 new people would be great. 70 new people signed up to be involved on a service team. So I'm not concerned because every time I've asked you to stretch, you've stretched. Every time we've had a goal, it's been met because you do it. So I'm not concerned that it's going to stretch people too thin because I know there's going to be more people that say, you know, I'm tired of being a spectator. I want to be a participant. What about all my friends that I might not be able to see just at the other location? Good question. What about all my friends? Look, if the friendship is just here on Sunday morning, I'm not going to say it, but if that's, do you have any true friends that are deep friendships that you just really have to have in your life that you only talk to them a few minutes a week? If, if, you're, if you have a close friend that's here, I guarantee, you t- if you consider them a close friend, I guarantee you see them more than just here, than just this hour on Sunday morning. Say this after me. One church, two locations. That's what we're going to be. One church that meets in two locations. Look at it like this. If I said, we're going to start two new services. This theater's opened up and said, you know what? You can have it all day Sunday. And I would say, well, let's start two more services. You'd say, yeah, that's great. Start two more. That's what we're doing. We're starting two more services. They're 12 miles north, but we're starting two brand new services. And any relationships that you're concerned about, hopefully... You, you are building relationships outside of here. And hopefully, through in that relationship, you can see this common goal, this common good, this common purpose, and that relationship can even get deeper, whether or not you see that person for an hour on Sunday morning. How will teenagers be able to interact since so many of us only see each other on Sundays? First service, there's a ton of teenagers sitting right down here. They're the only ones that like the music that loud, so they sit right down here in the front. That's a good question. How how are they going to get to continue to build relationships? Remember, one church, two locations. That means one youth ministry. The student ministry will still meet one night, small groups on another night, but that's not going to change. It's not going to be like the youth ministry there and the youth ministry here. It's not going to be the women's ministry there, the women's ministry here. It's all one thing. So you don't have to be concerned, am I going to get to see my friends if if you're a teenager? Because if you get plugged in and involved in the ministry, you're going to see them because every Sunday night you have your own event where you guys are all together at the Hub. It's interesting, back in April when we got this new office location called the Hub, we moved from a a space of 1,700 feet to 5,500 square feet. So we kind of moved up a little bit and we got room for a lot of things we didn't have room for before. You know, if you look on a map, that is geographically in the center of here in Wakefield. We didn't plan it that way. It was just like we, we want to get something around that area, but but we had no idea it was all going to come together. We were only hopeful at that time. And then God just worked this place out to where we have a central location where a lot of that stuff's still going to be held. All right, next question. Tani, who's going to get the messages every week? That is an awesome question. We've checked into uh, um, cloning. It's, it's, it's not a good thing. 
my wife's like, no, one's enough, you know, please. One of the advantages of being where we are, living here in the triangle, is that there are a lot of, uh, what's the word? Nerds? Geeks? Yeah, I say that in the most positive way possible. But there are a lot of people who are really into technology, who are really into making that stuff happen. The technology is there for us to be able to simulcast services that one might run 15 minutes behind the other one. So half the time, you'll have to endure me on the screen or Darren or Rob, and the other half of the time, it'll be live just like today. So hopefully, you don't mind watching the screen. I mean, we're in a theater. It's already there, so why not use it? So if this were the day where I would be broadcast or the teacher would be broadcast to the other location, there would be a couple of really big cameras in here and light, more lights and stuff, and, and it would be broadcast up there on a delay. I don't know how that works, but it, it does. Anybody get that? If you do, you know, you might want to be on our tech team. Um, oh, that's the guy that's doing it, Craig Crump. So, so that's how it's going to work with the teaching. Everything else will be live. The music will be live. The communion service will be live. All the... Check it out. All that stuff that's, that's live now, other than the message, everything else will be. Now, we are going to clone Joel, so that's scary too. Obviously, through this, we're going to have to uh, add some staff. We're going to reposition, retitle, rework some staff positions. Nobody's going anywhere. Everybody's on board. There's going to be new people coming on. One's already ready. And I don't have time to go into all those specifics, but I will in an email to the whole church. So if you're not on our email list, here's what you need to do. Because later this week, I'm going to give a lot more specifics than what I've given today. We also have a LifePoint management team that's been appointed. A group of people who help with accountability, who help with direction, that I bounce all these ideas off of to make sure I'm not like losing my mind or something. I mean, th- these people are committed people in our church. And they're what's called the Life Point Management Team. I don't have time to go through all those names. But if you go to the website, click on e-news, it'll tell you how to subscribe. It's very simple. It's just clicking and typing. That's all you have to do. About midweek, you're going to get an email from me that's going to give you even more specifics than what I was able to give today. You know, one of the most profound things that's been said as I met with different groups of leaders throughout this process was said by a person who's been at LifePoint since before the first day. They were here when there were practice services, when there were preview services. And he said this, When I think about all the things that would not have happened in my life in the last three years if LifePoint had not existed, it excites me to be able to take that into another community. It's hard work, it'll require commitment, but it's worth it. Another person said, I get excited when I think about inviting my friends down the street to a church that's also down the street. Next question. Will the new site be focused on community service? Absolutely. We're not only going to focus on community service, we're going to use launching this new site as a springboard to reignite our goal to be a go-and-do church, to to begin to get even more involved in the community. The first one of of those things you're going to see is on November the 3rd, LifePoint in Action Day. I hope you signed up for that. This week or next week, make sure you write LifePoint in Action on on your WhatsApp card when you hand it in, because we're going to go out and serve the community. And then when this launch team for this new site gets together, we're going to start to think of new things to even do in that community. So LifePoint Action Days will now cover our entire county. So we're going to use this as an opportunity to reignite 
that desire of this church to be a go-and-do church, to be a person of action. There's also going to be 40,000 households get mail from us that says a new church is coming to Wakefield. Some of those people will already what will live in this zip code, and they'll, they'll we'll put on there that we also have a site at Six Forks Cinema. So 40,000 people, five times between now and February the 24th, or 40,000 houses between now and February the 24th, will get to know that a new church and a new thing is coming. What are you missing in your life because you won't take that first step and trust God with the rest? I know this is the step we need to take. I'm convinced. There's not a doubt in my mind. And over the past couple of weeks, 50 people have said, we believe it's our step too. We want to be a part of the the launch team. Those are all permanent people that say, that's it. We're going there. We're going to make one. We're going to make LifePoint in that community make a difference. We're going to be part of it. The goal is to have 100 people. Some of which you may just say, I'm going to do it for a time just to help it get going. I'm going to drive a little further just to have critical mass, just to make it happen for a few months, and then I'm going to come back. But whatever the case, after this service, go out to the table that's got Extend 08 written over it out in the lobby and and sign up to be a part of the launch team. Because you will make a difference. Whether you stay here and serve or go there and serve, that doesn't matter. What matters is you're part of a group of people that want to stretch that want to grow and make a difference. Possible things don't need God. Only that which is impossible needs God. Jesus said go. If you look at our website, our core values, our focus, one of those values is multiplication. And that's what we're getting ready to do. I hope God speaks to you. If you're supposed to go help or stay here and help, whatever that is, I hope God speaks to your heart, and I hope you're with us when I ask us all to go. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this vision that you've clearly laid out for us, the direction this church needs to go. Father, I pray for people who are thinking, is it a good thing? Is it not a good thing? God, I just pray that you speak to their hearts. God, thank you for the opportunity to grow outside of these walls. Thank you for the owner of this theater and the owner of that other theater who who see their life as more than just showing movies and making money and having a business, but they see that they're having an impact on eternity. God, thank you for allowing us to intersect with them. Father, when you say go, let us go. We pray this in Jesus' name.